Happy Easter to you. That's awesome. Look around. Would you just look around and be uh, that, that kind of experience in your heart where you're just grateful for the people around you? That, would you look at uh, people spanning all age groups and, and just the people that are gathered in the room? Just take a moment. Just take a moment and look around and give God praise for the gift of being together in this room. Would you take a moment? I tell you, it's a blessing. It is so good to be able to see everybody. Have you been following the story so far as it's been read to you today? Been paying attention to the words coming from John chapter 20? So far, we've heard that Mary Magdalene comes to the tomb uh, before sunrise. While it's still dark out, she comes. Now, if you look at all the Gospels together, you find that there's um, a little bit of differences here and there, but they all agree in theology and they all agree in the basic components of the whole story. In John's telling, it's Mary Magdalene that goes to the tomb. And when she gets there, she discovers that the stone has been taken away. She runs to tell Peter and John. And then Peter and John run back to the tomb. And when they take a look inside, they see the cloths lying there. And there is no body. We're told in the text that John believed. That in that moment when, when he saw and there was some kind of connection that was taking place in his, in his own mind, that God had made him aware and he believed. Well, as Peter and John leave, Mary looks into the tomb and, and she sees two angels. And the two angels ask her why she is weeping. And she says, they have taken my Lord away. And then she turns, and she thinks that it's the gardener standing there in front of her. It turns out to be Jesus. And Jesus also asks, woman, why, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? And when he finally mentions her name, Mary, it clicks for her. She knows. Rabboni! teacher. And he says to her, don't cling to me. Can you picture it? That, that, that Mary just goes flat out on the ground and reaches out to his feet. Don't, don't cling to me. Don't cling to me. I am ascending to my Father and to your Father. I love the way that word comes across to us. He doesn't say, listen, I have, I have already ascended. He doesn't say, I, I, I will ascend. He, has, he says, I am ascending. That he has risen from the dead and he's on his way. But on his way, he's going to take time to engage and empower and equip and encourage and support his followers. And then Mary goes and tells the disciples of her encounter. And so we come to the next part of the story. The next part of the story in John's gospel in chapter 20. But before we do that, I, I just want to bring to your attention a, a, a proverb you've heard before. You've heard it many times before, I'm sure. The history of this particular proverb dates back at least 400 years. It first appeared in writing, so we understand, when uh, Miguel de Cervantes wrote Don Quixote. The proverb goes like this. Don't put all your eggs in one basket. Don't put all your eggs in one basket. Well, today, we're going to challenge that. 
Today, from our passage, we're going to take a look at a basket that is worthy of all of our eggs. That the very best thing we could ever do for ourselves is to take all of our eggs and put it in that one basket. So, um, if you have your Bible with you, or in the printout uh, that you received, the place where you have sermon notes, on the inside of that, we've also provided the text of the Scripture so that you could take that home with you. We'll be looking at John chapter 20, and we'll be in verses uh, 19 through 23. John 20, verses 19 through 23. Let's hear the Word of God. On the evening of that day, the first day of the week, the doors being locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you, give, if you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you withhold forgiveness from any, it is withheld. May God bless the reading of his word this morning, and may God bless our time. May God show favor on us as we come under his word today. All right, so from this passage... There are a number of reasons why it is to our advantage, why it is wise. The best thing we could ever do is to put all of our eggs in the Easter basket, to go all in with Jesus Christ. Let's take a look at those reasons one by one. We're going to begin with reason number one for putting all of our eggs in the Easter basket, put our whole life in the hands of Jesus. We find the words in verse 19. On the evening of that day, this is Easter day, that Jesus rose uh, on Easter and here is at the, toward the end of the day. On the evening of that day, the first day of the week, the doors being locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them. I'm sure you're already developing a picture of that. Listen, the, the disciples, they were concerned, legitimately concerned. The religious leaders of the time, the pastors and Bible teachers and the denominational leaders, they had uh, been quite concerned about Jesus and the movement he uh, was about, that so many people were responding positively to him. They were concerned about the welfare, uh, their welfare and the welfare of the community. And so the disciples are thinking, listen, if they came after Jesus, they could come after us as well. So they locked themselves together and keeping others out. And we're told Jesus came and stood among them. Here's what we learn about Jesus. Jesus is the one who manifests himself. Jesus is the one who manifests himself. Now, from our perspective, we might let our minds go to, ooh, how'd he get in the room? Like, if you're resurrected, do you have the, the superhero strength of intangibility? Can you actually make it your way through a wall? That's not the focus of the passage here. It's not about how he got in the room, but that Jesus is the Jesus who shows up. The Jesus who arrives and makes himself known in this world. 
So what do we learn about Jesus' followers here? Well, we learn that the followers of Jesus are able to recognize him. Jesus had already said this before in his teaching. We find it in John's gospel that he says, listen, um, I know my sheep and my sheep know me. They, they, they know my voice. In chapter 14, he had said to his, his followers, he said, listen, in a little while, it, um, I, I, I'm, I'm going to depart. And when I return, the world will not be able to see me, but you will be able to see me. And here Jesus is fulfilling that. And Jesus shows up and manifests himself, even today. We know that as we gather around God's word, that Jesus manifests himself. As, as we spend time in scripture and in the words of scripture, Jesus manifests himself. We know that through the giving of his spirit, that Jesus manifests himself. Jesus shows up and makes himself known to his children. A second reason why it's just the best thing to do to go all in on Jesus Christ, to take all of your eggs and put it in the Easter basket. Jesus says this, peace be with you. He actually says it twice, once in verse 19 and again in verse 21. And we've, I, in fact, we can't even count how many times we've talked about peace in this room, but the peace, according to the peace being talked about in Scripture, it, it, it means wholeness. It means completeness. It means security. This wonderful uh, offering. In fact, it was the way that they greeted each other. Peace be with you. Peace be with you. Only this time it's Jesus saying it. Here's what we learn about Jesus. Here's what we can know about Jesus. That Jesus is the offerer, the provider, and the establisher of peace. We know that in his death that Jesus, when he died, he died to pay the penalty for all people's sin. That there's this, not just sins that people might have committed or, or, or things that they left undone, but this, this very nature inside of ourselves that we have a tendency, we, we have a, a leaning built into us that we would rather lean away from God than toward God. That we like being gods of our own little lives. And so when Jesus died on the cross, he paid the penalty for all of that. He took care of it. He said, listen, this sin of yours, this sin in humanity, it will keep you away from God. I want to take care of that for you. And he dies on the cross. And when he does so, he establishes peace. He establishes peace. He establishes the opportunity that we could be in a relationship, and he provides it. And he offers it to us. He says, come to me, all of you who, who labor and are heavy laden. Come to me. He offers peace to us. Wholeness, security, harmony, completeness. And so what do we learn about Jesus' followers? Well, we are the peace receivers from Jesus Christ. It, whenever you say yes to God through Jesus Christ, maybe even this day, you can know that you are a peace receiver. It's guaranteed. Jesus, Jesus guarantees that peace for all time, even in the midst of struggles here in this world. All right, a, a third reason for why it's really to our advantage to put all of our eggs in the Easter basket, to, to seek first the kingdom of heaven, to put Jesus first in our lives. We read it in verse 20, when Jesus had said this, he showed them his hands 
and his side. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. Would you take your hands and just take your own hands and put them right out in front of you. And take a look, look at your hands. And, and, and what kind of a story do your own hands tell? Maybe some of us have calluses and, and they speak of a certain kind of, of work we've been doing or, or how we've been uh, living our lives. And, and maybe some of the, our hands are softer and, and they tell its own story. Maybe there's a ring on a finger or, or a scar that we look at from, from a story in our background. Or maybe it's just the lines, the lines that show a life long lived. Now, can you imagine if put right in front of you were the hands of Christ. Can you imagine what it would look like to see the hands of Christ? Jesus showed them his hands, that they would see the holes in his hands where he had been nailed to the cross. He showed them his side, where the spear went in, that, that rather than breaking his legs to ensure that he was dying on the cross or that he, his end would come, that they believed him already, that they knew already that he had died. And so they simply um, uh, and graphically uh, stabbed his side with a spear and blood and water came out. And he was dead. To think the story that those hands and that side tell. Well, here's what we learn about Jesus. Jesus is the crucified one and the resurrected one. And, and the, the, the holes in the hands and the hole in the side tell both, tell both those stories. You see, to see those holes in the hands and the hole in the side meant that this is the Jesus, as Josh said this morning, not a metaphor, not a symbol. This is the Jesus who died on the cross, who was crucified. It's evidence. The holes in the hand, the hole in the side. He was crucified. But the fact that Jesus is standing before them in the room assures us that he was resurrected and that he came to life, that he was, has this resurrection life after dying for our sins. Well, if that's what we learn about Jesus, here's what we learn about Jesus' followers. They are the rejoicers. The rejoicers. Now, I got to tell you, I'm incredibly disappointed with the ESV, the English Standard Version, in this particular verse. Uh, it says, and, and they were glad. <laughs> they were glad. It's like the lukewarm of, of happiness, right? I'm, I'm glad, you know? So in, in the NRSV, it says, and they rejoiced. The NIV says, and they were overjoyed. And in the paraphrase known as the message, it says that they were exuberant. And the ESV says and they were glad. <laughs> but we get to be the rejoicers because the crucifixion of Jesus means that our penalty is paid. And the resurrection of Jesus means that we have life. His death means our life. His resurrection means death to death and life to our life evermore. The resurrection means death to death and life to our life evermore. Reason number four. Reason number four why it's just the brilliant thing to do is to go all in on Jesus Christ, to take all of our eggs and to put them in the Easter basket. Jesus says in verse 21, Jesus said to them again, peace be with you. 
As the Father sent me, even so I am sending you. Here's what we learn about Jesus. Jesus is the sent one. And Jesus is the sender. The sent and the sender. Again, here we look at the, the way that the, the, the verb is conjugated. Um, Jesus says, the Father has sent me. Again, that's, a, a, that's the perfect uh, tense. And so he's saying it's not over. It's not like he just um, uh, done and it's, it's done in the past that the Father sent me, but it has sent me. It started in the past, but Jesus is still a sent one. That Jesus is always on mission until that final day. And we can know that Jesus is reaching out even to us now. Reaching out through his word. Reaching out through his children, uh, his brothers and sisters. He's reaching out through his spirit in this world. He is the sent one. But he's also the sender. That he sends his followers into the world. So here's what we learn about followers of Jesus is that we're always on mission. When we go all in on Jesus, when we put all of our eggs in his basket, we have a purpose in this life, that we're always on mission. That means we have something in common with James Bond, Ethan Hunt, Diana Prince, a.k.a. Wonder Woman, and the Blues Brothers. Probably more like the Blues Brothers because they were on a mission from God too. Jesus put it this way, let your light shine that others might see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. Let your light shine. We're on a mission. This is good news. We get to be a part of helping other people know how brilliant it is to take all of their eggs and to put it in the Easter basket. Reason number five. Verse 22. And when he had said this, he breathed on them. He breathed on them and said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. Receive the Holy Spirit. Here's what we learn about Jesus. Jesus is the giver of the Spirit. And in this passage, what the word being used, he breathed on them. It, it takes us back uh, into the Old Testament. There's this uh, verse in Genesis chapter 2 where God is creating things and, and he's creating uh, humans and, and he creates the first man and, and the description that was provided there is that God breathed into his nostrils and gave life. There's a, a, a passage in Ezekiel that talks about uh, breathing into the, uh, into the dead bones and that, that the breathing brings life and the, and the dead bones come to life in this vision that, that God provides. And it's not so much that there's this new creation happening right here. This isn't the beginning. There's a, a commentary by um, George Beasley Murray that, where he discusses this and, and that we don't see here necessarily the beginning of the new creation because Jesus begins the new, new creation through his incarnation coming into this world, his crucifixion, his dying on the cross, and his resurrection, his overcoming death on our behalves. That begins this whole new creation that one day all things will be made new. What happens as Jesus breathes is he incorporates the disciples. As he breathes the Holy Spirit on, he incorporates the dis disciples into the new creation, into the kingdom of heaven and so even now that we can know that Jesus is the one who gives the Holy Spirit to those who say yes to his grace, to those who say, all my eggs in the Easter basket, 
I want to live with and for Jesus the rest of my life. Reason, reason number six. Jesus says, if you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven. If you withhold forgiveness from any, it is withheld. That's a lot of power. That's a lot of power. Here's what we learn about Jesus. Jesus is the commissioner of authority. Jesus is in authority, and so he has the ability to commission authority unto others. And here he is with his followers, and he goes, I'm giving you the authority now. You have the authority to move forward. You have the authority to identify good and to identify evil, to proclaim salvation and to proclaim judgment. By the way, we, we should know this is not the same as going, um, okay, so I don't like you, so you're still guilty of sin. But I really like what you're wearing today, and it works for me, so, so you're forgiven. It's not that kind of like we walk around just going, you're in, you're out, you're in, you're out. But instead, it's this ability to come and to proclaim, this is good. And I want you to know that this path is so good that it brings you life. And that all these other paths, that they're not good, that they don't lead to life, that, that, there, that there is uh, toxicity, it, it's corrosive, and you need to know that there's a difference between all these other paths we come up with and the path that God provides through Jesus Christ. You need to know that. That we're empowered to be able to go to someone who, who has put all their eggs into the Easter basket, and we can say, listen, when you... When, when you became a Christian, you need to know this. You are forgiven. And when someone comes and, they, and they're just burdened by choices they made, we can preach to them. We can tell them, proclaim to them, your sins are forgiven. And when someone's adopting a lifestyle that is just outside the will of God, we can go to them and, and just, just knowing that we've already taken the log out of our own eye and, and having humility and, and being in Christ, that we can go to a person and go, listen, this is not for your well-being. You need to know these choices do not help you. Let me proclaim to you the way that Christ has provided. Here's what we learned about Jesus' followers then, is we're always empowered. We're always empowered. We've been given authority to represent Jesus Christ in this world. This is Easter. This is Easter. It says, listen, there's a basket so worthy that you can take all your eggs and place it in that basket. It'll be the best thing you ever did. Don't hedge your bets. Don't scatter them around. Don't, don't think that, you know, it's, it's just a little too risky. I think I'm going to kind of spread myself around uh, spiritually. There's but one basket. A basket that proclaims he is risen. He is risen indeed. Mary got to see the risen Jesus. The disciples got to encounter the risen Jesus. And on this day, we get to encounter him too. To know that where two or three are gathered in his name, when we gather in his name, that Jesus Christ is here with us. And he has come and said, follow me. Follow me. And as we follow him, as we say yes to him, we have life now. 
and we have life forevermore. We have life that we can offer others around us. He is risen. He is risen indeed. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you that you make it clear for us in Scripture that there is a way to live that is better than any other way we could ever come up with. That you gave us Jesus Christ, that his work on the cross, his, his rising from the dead, that you have made it possible that we would live with you forevermore. And that it actually begins today. That you have pulled heaven into this world and you've allowed us to know you through Jesus Christ. God, for the folks here today that have held off on uh, receiving your offer and accepting it, we pray that even this day that, that among us there would be those that are saying, yes, I want it. I, I want what you're offering. And it may be that some of us have kind of put you on, on uh, the back of our lives, on the on the outside of kind of the mainstream of our life. And, and maybe this is the day, Father, where you are uh, spurring us on to reconnect, to, to acknowledge that there is no better life than the life of intimacy with you, of friendship with you. God, thank you for Jesus. Thank you for a life that is full of joy. We give you praise in this day. We give you praise for the gift of Christ. We give you praise for our salvation. It's to your glory that we pray these things. And we come to you in his name, in Christ's name, praying these things. And all God's people say, amen.